1: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
2: Jack puts Cole Custer into the wall. They both stay on the throttle. Now they're beginning to crash. One truck goes sliding wildly. One truck is in the air. Matt Crafton
1: upside down. The Motor Racing Network presents the Tough Trucks of NASCAR, 25 years and still trucking.
3: Get the line. Skinner wins it by two one-hundredths of a second. He was
4: too bullheaded to let me pass him, and I was too bullheaded to let him have it.
2: Brendan Gunn wins in his own backyard at the Las Vegas.
4: Fans were in. We partied in the race
2: shop for hours. It was a wild
4: party night.
0: Now here's Sprague going for second. He and Hornaday come together.
4: Now Hornaday goes around, slams into the wall. To this day, he can't tell me if I ever spun him out. Because I can save it better than him. I told you he's going to play that back. I told you.
1: From the Motor Racing Network Studios in Concord, North Carolina. Here is your host, Mike Bagley.
0: Welcome to MRN Presents The Tough Trucks of NASCAR 25 years and still trucking This is a 10-part series that will cover the third tier of NASCAR's top three divisions as it enters its 25th season You'll hear stories from its early conception to some of the most memorable moments told by some of the biggest names in the sport We'll take you back to the first time the trucks raced at Daytona and the drama that unfolded Contact! Morgan into Bush Now trucks crashing along the outside wall One truck spinning and crashing and tumbling from the trial will down. Not only that, but we'll hear from the biggest names in NASCAR that cut their teeth in the series, like Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, and many others. Over the next 10 weeks, we'll cover these topics as well as many others here on MRN.com. On this week's show, we'll take you back to the beginning, how the series got started, and that inaugural race at ISM Raceway in Phoenix, The idea of having a truck series in NASCAR actually began in the early 90s on the West Coast. A group of off-road desert truck racers, known as SCORE, decided that the future for racing trucks would be on pavement rather than on the sand dunes of the Southwest. One of those racers was Jim Smith.
5: Well, there were four of us that were racing for Ford Motor Company in the desert, and we were looking for a better place to showcase the trucks, and I thought... I was a big NASCAR fan, there was no better place to showcase a truck than NASCAR.
0: Jim Smith, along with several others, approached NASCAR Western Operations Vice President Ken Clapp with the idea. Clapp took the concept to Bill France Jr., former NASCAR President Mike Helton.
6: In 94, I'm Vice President of Competition, and I've got the the Bush Series, which is now Xfinity and the Cup Series, and then Dennis Hooth was Vice President of Administration, and he was responsible... For all other racing products that NASCAR had, the, the, the at the time it was Bush North, Bush West, Southwest Tour, All-American Modifieds and such, and the weekly programs. Between Ken Clapp and Dennis, they had a lot of relationships on the West Coast, particularly Ken Clapp, and one of those relationships were around uh, a lot of the competitors that participated in SCORE. Uh, it was a group from that group that kept being persistent about it. That included uh, Walker Evans, Jimmy Smith, uh, some of the other score participants in the days. But I think what, it, it, I think their persistence and when they when they brought Michael gone into the conversation, Brandon's father, Michael, uh, Bill and Michael had a, a really good relationship uh, for a long period of time. And I think that, that gave Bill Jr., A little bit more insight, but it also gave Bill Jr. the opportunity to lay out in front of that group, including uh, Dennis and Ken, a, a roadmap of sorts and said, okay, if you all are serious about this, here's what I want us to do internally, turn into Ken and Dennis, and then turn into Michael and Walker and Jimmy Smith and the group that came from SCORE. I'm saying, here's what I need you to do to prove to me that we can have a field of trucks, that we can go to a track in a NASCAR fashion and deliver. And that took a little bit of time, but that was the first opportunity, I think, for both groups to kind of figure out how to build a blueprint. For the Truck Series.
0: A prototype truck was built and showcased at the 1994 Daytona 500. The truck was driven around Daytona International Speedway by Jim Smith.
5: I took, uh, built the truck and we took it to the uh, show and it became on, became on the front page of Hot Rod magazine and every car magazine and just drew so much attention that, that he called me and said, I'm sending Les Rector out there to talk to you about this program.
0: At that point, the groundwork was set for what would soon be the NASCAR Super Truck Series presented by Craftsman. Mike Helton remembers the energy level around the idea of truck racing.
6: Well, I I think once that blueprint or that roadmap uh, to build a blueprint was established by Bill Jr., that the conversations in the industry in general, whether it was at the racetracks or with race teams, uh, was fueled by NASCAR and by Michael Gaughan and Walker Evans and Jimmy Smith and those personalities who had relationships with owners in the Cup Garage in that era. We kind of all did it together. And the the there wasn't an incentive as much as there was an energy level, I think, around pickup truck racing. What could that be like? and And to build a program... Of, of racing around pickup trucks now it had been it'd been tried before uh but but i think that's where bill jr came back with that roadmap and said do this and then those from that exercise came conversations with a rick hendrick a jack roush a richard childress dale earnhardt senior and others about here's what we're thinking about what do you think uh, and then it gave them the ability to, to, to be part of the origination of all that.
0: Longtime series director Wayne Auten says Bill France Jr. called all the top team owners
6: about this new venture. He called them up and says, hey guys, this, this is going to be the biggest thing uh, going and we would really love to have you guys uh, on trucks in them. So he called up uh, Dale and Rick and uh, Richard Childers and away we go. You know I mean? and, and then they found out, hey, this is a great thing because uh, it, it was highlighted. The manufacturers jumped on board like you wouldn't believe at the time, and we uh, we worked real hard with the teams on, on packages. We didn't have to worry about aero back then. It was about raw driving talent.
0: In the spring of 1994, as the NASCAR Cup Series visited Sonoma Raceway, a press conference was held to announce that there would be a new NASCAR Series in 1995. Motor Racing
2: Network's Dan Hubbard was there that day. I remember when uh, Bill France Jr. said uh, he had a major announcement to make during the cup weekend at Sonoma. And many of us in the press corps were wondering, well, what's this going to be all about? And they set up a huge white tent up on a hill at the track in Sonoma. And we all trundled up there and filled this large tent because it was rare when Bill Jr. made an announcement. And he proceeds to tell us that NASCAR is going to launch a third national series. It's going to be called the Super Truck Series, and it'll have manufacturer support as well as support from major teams in NASCAR. And his reasoning was that seven out of every ten vehicles sold in this country was a truck. Therefore, there's a built-in audience for this kind of action. And the press conference ends, and I think it would be safe to say that the majority of the media were stunned. I mean, how was this going to work? Trucks? We're going to race trucks? I mean, the idea was just so outlandish, and we didn't give it an Ice Cube's chance in hell until the trucks took to the track. MRN's Joe Moore was there as well. I remember going there with Fred Armstrong, who was a turn announcer for the network at the time, and Jim Phillips and uh, Winston Kelly, uh, a couple of guys along. And, And we went up, and there wasn't much of a crowd that turned out. And one of the admin guys from NASCAR actually went to Fred Armstrong, and he says, Will you ask a question in case nobody else does? because we want to build some interest. And so Fred did a good job asked a nice question, you know, and kind of things went along. But uh, that was the first I ever heard of it, and I kind of figured from what I saw there and the people who were in attendance, it was going to be a West Coast thing. I never had any idea it would be nationwide and turn out like it did.
0: NASCAR Cup Series veteran and former champion of the series, Greg Biffle. Initially, your first reaction is, eh, is that, that's going to be kind of... Weird or or this or that, you know, because we're all about aerodynamics, you know, body work looking cool. But then you start looking at, you know, whatever the stats are. Sixty some percent of Americans drive trucks, and 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 we understand as as race car guys that that it's a race car chassis, same components, same engine, same everything, with just a different body on it. And so I got it, you know, they're they're trying to appeal to a broader market and. I thought it was a, I thought it was a marvelous idea. I still do today. It's a great platform for for guys to get an opportunity. In. MRN's Dave Moody.
3: I was excited about it back then because it was so different. It was, you know, nobody else was really doing anything like that. There might have been a, you know, a couple of short tracks that had a, a quote unquote truck division, but certainly nothing like that at the at the uppermost level at the national level. And I loved it because NASCAR was going outside the box and they were trying something different. And I thought it meshed perfectly with NASCAR's fan base. You know, the the stereotypical NASCAR fan is not driving around out there in a sports car. Uh, And he's certainly not driving an SUV, SUV. He's driving a pickup truck. And I thought NASCAR getting in touch with that fan base was awesome.
0: Cup Series champion Terry Labonte wasn't as optimistic.
3: Well, I, I heard about that, and I was like, uh, I just kind of scratched my head. And I thought, oh, well, I don't know about this. You know, I, I'm not sure the fans are going to really uh, embrace this. Uh, but then on the other hand, I'm sure the manufacturers would because of uh, all the trucks and AUC going up and down the highway. So, But I didn't know how it worked. I'm like, man, I, I don't know about this deal. So uh, I was a little, uh, uh, you know, of a little on the fence there. I didn't know if it was going to. Be successful or not.
0: After the announcement, a series of exhibition races were scheduled at four tracks along the west coast Mesa Marin Raceway in Bakersfield, California, Portland Speedway in Portland, Oregon, Saugus Speedway in Saugus, California, and Tucson Raceway Park in Tucson, Arizona. For the first race at Mesa Marin, a little known driver from Bakersfield. Kevin Harvick was in the stands
2: watching the race. Yeah, so it's hard to believe that it's been 25 years because I actually sat in the grandstands at Mesa Marin and, and watched the, the first exhibition race that they had with the six trucks um, on the racetrack and talking about the Super Truck Series and, and how it was going to uh, to become a real series, you know, the next year. So they, they went from different short tracks uh, around the country and, and especially on the West Coast because the first truck was actually built right at the racetrack there, Gary Collins' Um, and his group built the. Uh, was it Venable? Uh, was the were, the were the first sponsors? But they built the truck right there at my home track. So I actually got to see the trucks progress from literally the very beginning when it was somebody's idea to to what it is today. Mrn's Fred Armstrong was a part of the
1: second race at Portland Speedway. Well, my family was managing Portland Speedway at the time, so we were one of the first places that they had planned an exhibition race the following year. So we had we had it I think it was 1994. We had one of the four exhibition races, and I think we had eight trucks, maybe at the very most, uh, on the track. But we planned out this gigantic open. I bought, I got two uh, super troopers. I don't know if you know what they are, but that's the biggest arc uh, spotlight you can you can get. So I rented two super troopers, a huge fog machine. We hired a guy, uh, Rob Sample, who was our uh, magician. And he dressed all in white, and we had a, this big bank of fog, and our magician come out and wave his arms, and the trucks came out of the fog, and the super troopers were on them, and that just lit the night up. And we had a full house. I mean, man, people just went nuts for it. And we knew, we knew this was big. We knew that this was going to be a big event. So this was our way. Those four tracks were lucky enough, including us, to have that preview and to really start ticket sale thoughts, you know, a year early before we actually had to sell them. The final three exhibition races were called the
0: Winter Heat Series, and they were all held at Tucson Raceway Park. The first of those three was won by Rick Corelli.
7: next thing is, I remember
0: the Winter Heat. when We went down there and ran
7: the, you know, they initiated it and started before the series took off. You know, we go down there and win the initial race that we have down there. You know, we're on bias-plied tires, and... You know, I expect to go to Tucson because it was one of the ones we ran the Southwest Tour, and I had good success there in the Winston West and the Southwest Tour. So, you know, the other race, when we when we go back in the truck, obviously, you know, uh, everything has evolved, and everybody worked on every, all their programs from when we had winter heat, and all of a sudden, hey, now this baby's going to happen. It's going to make, make a thing. And I, I just remember the the hard racing that everybody did there.
0: After a couple of years of preparation, the time had finally come to run the inaugural Truck Series race. It was February 5th, 1995 at the ISM Raceway, formerly Phoenix International Raceway in Phoenix, Arizona.
5: Uh, right now we're seeing something that we've never seen before. For the very first time in NASCAR history, a field of 33 super trucks are rolling from the Dick Beatty garage area on a super speedway.
2: Dan Hubbard was in the turn that day, calling the action for the Motor Racing Network. What I remember most about that first race in Phoenix was the excitement and the anticipation. The trucks had already completed what they called their winter heat season, those were exhibition races at short tracks, and they provided very competitive and entertaining racing. But now they're at the big stage of Phoenix their first points race. And on the entry list, you've got some heavy hitters, Terry Labani Kenny Schrader, Jeff Bodine, Sammy Swindell from the World of Outlaws, he joined us, and even the great off-road racer, Walker Evans, was going to try his hand at pavement. Plus, you had major teams involved, Richard Childress, DEI, Rick Hendrick had three trucks in the field, so all of that gave the truck series tremendous credibility, and a good crowd came out to see how this was going to play out. And they were not disappointed. Richard Childress Racing's
0: Mike Skinner remembers how the day started.
4: Man, it, you know, we had just, uh, we'd ran two of the winter heat races. And the first winter heat race, I sat on the pole by a lot. I mean, I, I forget the number, but it was close to half a second or something. And on lap 20, I'll never forget, my spotter said, Hey, uh, leader's on the same straightaway with you. <laughs> you you're about to get lapped. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And we, ca- thank gosh, thank God the caution came out. We, we came back. I think we finished in the top five, but it was a Chinese fire drill. And I was never so embarrassed in my life because I, I thought we should win every practice. We should win every pole and we should win every race. That was my mindset. And I mean, I'm in the dang GM Goodrich number three Chevrolet here. And uh, second's not an option. And... I was embarrassed. I was totally embarrassed by it. Went went back to welcome. Richard had a good conversation with me. And I actually got my first driving lesson from Ron Hornaday. I said, man, you got, what is the deal? Man, I, I just, he said, the problem, Skinner, is just said, you're qualifying every lap. He said, sooner or later, you're going to have to learn how to use that throttle like a like a rheostat, you know, just squeeze it off. I mean, you're driving like you're driving, you know. A short track somewhere, which you are, but you got a lot more horsepower than you than you're used to, and whatever. And so the next time I went back, qualified third, I was devastated, and we murdered them. I mean, we took off and we lapped. I I don't know, we didn't lap the whole field, but we lapped most of them. And and um, so when I went to Phoenix that morning, knowing that I had to that I had qualified bad. Uh, my mindset was, okay, we can do this. We're really fast in practice. we got to be smart. we got to be aggressive. But we can't make a fool of ourselves here. And um, that's kind of what was going on in my mind. And oddly enough, as soon as the green flag comes out, you forget all of it. And you just drive your butt off.
0: Rick Corelli knew he was a part of something special that day. Well, the biggest thing is, is I mean, Phoenix has
7: always been like a track that always suited m- me you know rickrill i mean it was either feast or famine that you know i've had many wins there a lot of seconds and you know a lot of busting my butt there a lot because I, I it was one of those deals that i always thought i needed to be going to the truck series when we went there that first time you know we had uh i expected more out of myself for what we needed to do but we we're racing with uh you know a lot of guys that had a little different approach to it than what we had approach to it you know and for me being a six foot one six foot two inch guy in the early trucks you had no leg room in them you know so they were uh, kind of choked you up a little bit with your legs but it was uh, i knew it was part of history when we started doing it because uh, the trucks gained so much momentum so early in uh, when they started out everybody wanted to do it
0: the event was a mixture of cup series stars in terry labani jeff bodine and ken schrader Plus, up-and-coming stars in Ron Hornaday Jr., Jack Sprague, and Mike Skinner. Terry Labonte recalls how the truck's handled compared to his
3: Cup Series car. And I told people at the time, I said, well, evidently, uh, they handled just like the cars, or, or my cars drive like trucks. So, uh, But uh, they were very, very similar. Uh, very similar. We ran very similar setups in them. Um, and just sitting behind the wheel, the thing just looked different because the, the roof was taller, and the, the hood looked different, and the dash was different but as far as uh, the actual feel of the truck on the track at that particular time versus the the truck versus the car, there was not a lot of difference.
5: This is the first time ever that the trucks have been on a super speedway, and it unfolds for you here on MRN this afternoon. Glad you're tuned in anywhere across America. Stick with us. Here we go. Green flag in the air.
0: The race came down to pitch strategy.
2: Dan Hubbard remembers calling the race. It was a late race caution for debris with 20 laps left. And Terry Labani, driving for Rick Hendrick, rolls the dice and he stays out. Mike Skinner, driving for Richard Childress, makes a pit stop and gets two tires and fuel and rejoins the field back in seventh. The green flag flies with 17 laps left and Skinner just gets down to business, picking him off one at a time until he reaches the leader, Labani, on the last lap when another caution comes out for a spin at turn two. That forces a green-white checkered finish. So it's down to cup star Terry Labonte and truck upstart Mike Skinner, who has two fresher tires than Labonte, and it pays dividends.
4: Richard Childress Racing's Mike Skinner. It was wild. Uh, I had awful good truck, and um, so did he. And we uh, just run them down, and, and, you know, Terry was hot back then. You know, that was the mid-90s, and he was, you know, he was the, I think he was the champion that, that year, the year before, sometime around in there. And and he uh, he was he was a hot driver, and he was in a Hendrick truck.
5: Green is in the air. Terry Labonte pulls away, but Skinner stays right with him. Those two trucks look to try and settle it among
4: themselves. I knew I had a lot, some, you know, I knew I had my work cut out for me and we had worked really really hard and really methodical getting up through the field and the the biggest thing that me being a short track racer and just being willing to knock people out of the way to win races that that's how I got there.
2: Labonte's only line of defense is to put his right foot on the throttle as hard as he can. Skinner right up on his tailgate. Now he moves to the inside line. Labonte to the outside. Skinner to the inside. They're cab to cab in turn
4: three. I knew how important the arrow was on that truck, and or or the lack of, it might be a better choice of words, the lack of arrow ability, and I just could not knock the right front fender in on that thing and expect for it to still turn so i had to be careful and i had to be methodical and I, I was aggressive but i was cautious aggressive i guess what you could say and when it got down there with five laps to go it wasn't no cautious anymore you had to go i mean it's, it's all or nothing at that point in time it's kind of like the old saying checkers are records and um so i just was really really hard and drove off in the corners really really hard and you know he about slid back under me on, on that last uh, corner I punched that throttle on the floor in the middle of the corner, and I knew that it'd be a miracle if I didn't hit the wall, but I knew if I lifted off the gas, he had a run on me and he was going to beat me, and that thing broke loose, and she was a handful coming off there, but I was, just no way I was going to let off that throttle, and I was lucky enough to pull it off.
5: What? To go to settle the inaugural for the Super Truck Series by Craftsman. Labonte refuses to give up the
2: outside line, fighting hard, now he pitches up against the wall, they touch! through the back stretch. They're still
5: under control. Skinner to the inside. Labonte on the high outside as they go into turn three. Here they come back towards turn number three. The last time. Skinner with the inside. Has a truck length advantage now. Here comes Lapati looking to the inside. Is he going to make a move? No, he's not going to get there. Checkered flag in the air. Skinner wins. What a finish. What a finish in the season opener.
0: Mike Skinner remembers the celebration afterwards being a little dangerous.
4: There was a, uh, a Mexican joint there and it was literally what we would call in the hood and um i mean like where there was police outside (laughs) to make sure that you could get to your car from your car in there it was not a really good part of town and um we all went there and got you know i don't know how many hundred pitchers of beer and we drank beer, and we ate Mexican food, and we we partied. We had a heck of a good time. The
0: success of the first race set the tone for the rest of the season. That got so
4: much hype, and we started filling grandstands everywhere we went, and we started getting big turnouts where we were actually having to turn trucks away. And uh, when after about the first third of the year, I, I, there was no question that the Truck Series was going to be there for a while.
2: MRN's Dan Hubbard. That was huge because it validated the Truck Series. The show was good, the trucks looked good, and a Truck Series driver was able to beat a cup driver to the stripe. The Truck Series had truly arrived. With the NASCAR Super Trucks on the scene, new names started to
0: emerge. Names like Hornaday, Sprague. Skinner, and many others as the years rolled on. On the next episode of MRN Presents, The Tough Trucks of NASCAR, 25 years and still trucking, we'll look at those names that became synonymous with the
6: series. We all know our late Larry Naskins. He's a radio guy out there. He always called Monday morning and, and always flew with the guys and, and figured out what I, what I did in racing that night. It was a Friday night or Saturday night at Bakesh or Acresfield or Saugus. And he goes, hey, this is Richard Patty. It's Ron Horley there. <laughs> so the guys were busy been down in Tucson for two weeks racing, and uh, the guys were busy. And this guy keeps calling up saying Dale Earnhardt wants to talk to Ron Horton, and they keep hanging up saying it's Larry Nassin because Larry always pretended he was Richard Petty. So come to find out it was Dale Earnhardt.
0: Until next time, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank
1: you so much for joining us. Today's program was a presentation of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. The Tough Trucks of NASCAR, 25 Years in Still Trucking, was written and produced by Rich Culver. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.